Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. Um, Here in Acts chapter 2, we've been looking at this message of the Apostle Peter here on the day of Pentecost. And, and we've been spending some time here at the end of Peter's message. Uh, it says in verse 37 that when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And so as Peter preached to them about the, the Lord Jesus and uh, who he was and, and his resurrection and the coming wrath of God, uh, you see that the people say, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Go back to Leviticus chapter 14. Leviticus 14 provides us really with a uh, a, a fitting example of you know, what water baptism meant to the nation of Israel and why John was practicing it and why it's being practiced on the day of Pentecost. Uh, Here in Leviticus chapter 14, verse 1, it begins to talk about leprosy. All right? And, and a lot of the, a lot of the provisions of the law, you know, when we think about those provisions of the law, we think about maybe about civil laws and moral laws. But, you know, there's a lot of things there in the law, too, just about cleanliness. There's a lot of instructions about, about uh, you know, how to deal with leprosy, how to deal with, the you know, different sanitary conditions, that kind of thing. Here it talks about a, a leper, but it talks about a leper in the day of its cleansing. Okay, so, so Leviticus 14, verse 1 says, The Lord spake unto Moses saying, This shall be the law of the leper. In the day of his cleansing, he shall be brought unto the priest. Now, you may remember uh, when when Christ healed lepers, there were uh, a couple of different cases where he healed people of leprosy, and he told them, Go and show yourself to the priest. Or he told them, Go and offer the gift that Moses commanded. We're going to see what that is here. But you see, if you had leprosy... And then, all of a sudden, one day your leprosy is gone. You you recover from it. You're healed from it. Whether it's you know whether it's supernatural, like with Christ healing those lepers, or whether it's just just you know a recovery from uh, this this disease, you have to go to the priest. Okay. It says he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go forth out of the camp. The priest shall look and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper. The priest has the job of certifying that that leprosy is gone. Leprosy, by the way, in the Bible, is always used as a symbol of sin. Because of the way that leprosy... You know, leprosy is a, is a skin disease, but it's not, it's not passed by contact. You don't get leprosy by touching somebody that has leprosy. It's actually an airborne disease, and that's why... Uh, 
one of the one of the things that the Bible told that somebody when somebody was found to have leprosy, they were to put a cloth over their mouth, and and uh, that was you know that was to protect that. Now, if you or I just saw leprosy and didn't know anything about it, you know we would assume it might be something that would be be passed by touch, but it's not. It's it's this airborne disease. But you see, the priest has the job of checking out that this leprosy is really gone. Right? It's not, he doesn't go to a doctor, he goes to the priest. And, and part of the reason for this, God puts this in place all the way back there in the Old Testament because remember what God said about, about how he was going to curse Israel if they didn't obey him? That he would curse them with these various diseases and things? Why does the priest need to know that people have leprosy? Because the priest needs to know what the spiritual condition of the nation is. And if all kinds of people are coming into the priest with all these different diseases, that tells that priest, hey, we're under, we're under curses from God. If we were really doing what we were supposed to be doing, we wouldn't have all these diseases and things. Because God told them, you know, if they, if they obeyed, he would take those things off of them. Right? And so the priest has, has a, an important function there in being able to keep, you know, keep tabs on what's going on physically with the nation because it's a picture of what's going on spiritually with the nation. Right? And so he goes to the, he goes to the uh, priest and the priest will look to see if the leprosy is healed in the leper. Verse four, then shall the priest command to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds alive and clean and cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. Now, uh, the, when, when Christ told that leper that he healed to go and offer the gift that Moses commanded, he's talking about these sacrifices here. Now, you see that there's two birds that are taken, alive and clean. There's cedar wood, there's scarlet and hyssop. And the cedar, the scarlet, and the hyssop are, are things that appear in a lot of different sacrifices. In fact, they were used in, in uh, making what was called the water of purification, which was a special water that was mixed with these ashes of a, of a sacrifice, and it was used for cleansing and purification. When you think about the cedar wood, the scarlet, and the hyssop, those are elements that are all, that are all present there at the cross of Calvary. The wood, the, the scarlet, would be the, the color of the Roman soldiers' garments. Uh, and the hyssop, they bring the hyssop to, to Christ to give him the vinegar to drink. These are important symbols here in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in Christ. In fact, the, the two birds here, you see that there's two birds uh, that are brought alive and clean. Verse 5, the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it and the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and shall dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. Again, common, common themes here in other sacrifices. Here the, they do essentially the same thing with the birds that they did in a different sacrifice with the scapegoat, where two goats would be brought and one would be killed and one set free. And here with the birds, one is killed, one set free. Uh, birds, birds represent spirits in the Bible. And, and you can think about how 
Christ, you know, gave up his spirit and how we're set free as a result of that. All these things represent spiritual things, you see. But notice then it says um, in, in verse 8, He that is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all his hair, wash himself in water that he may be clean. And after that he shall come into the camp and shall tarry abroad out of his tent seven days. And it shall be on the seventh day that he shall shave all his hair off his head and his beard and his eyebrows, even all his hair he shall shave off. He shall wash his clothes, also he shall wash his flesh in water, and he shall be clean. And then on the eighth day it talks about additional sacrifices, but you see those washings there. Now, when it says he shall be clean, there's, there's two issues of cleanness here. Uh, remember that before any of this process began, the priest had to come and verify that the leprosy was gone. He's not going through this process to get rid of the leprosy. Right? He's not, he's not uh, being washed with water here to get rid of the leprosy. If that's as easy as it was, uh, nobody would have had leprosy. But the leprosy had to be gone first, and then he would be washed with the water, and he would be ceremonially clean. You know, there are all kinds of things under, under the law that could make you unclean. If you touched a dead body, it made you unclean. If you touched an unclean animal... It made you unclean. And to get back into a state of cleanness, you had to be washed with water. And that uncleanness, by the way, if somebody else was unclean and you touched them, or you touched something that they touched, it made you unclean. All of that is a, is a picture of sin. And the way that sin, you know, you, you might think about your sin as being something that's personal to you that doesn't affect anybody else. And why ought it be anybody else's business if I sin? But realize, sin never just stays in one place. Sin spreads. And my sin affects you. Your sin affects me. And that's, that's what that picture is there. Could you imagine how hard it would be under that law to stay clean, to remain clean? Because you'd have to be careful about everything you did. And, and especially about who you touched and, and, you know, and what things you touched. Uh, to be clean. That was, that was teaching a spiritual lesson there. Now it had a practical benefit in that it provided for a lot of sanitation. I don't know, but I would guess probably the, the Israelites had some of the best sanitation of any of the nations in those days. But you see the spiritual lesson there. Now that leper, he is, the leprosy has to be gone before he begins this process. But then, then for him to be pronounced clean, he has to go through this process, and you see the, the washing there and how that's involved. There's several washings he has to go through. Well, that's a, that's a good, that's one of the pictures of what the significance of baptism was for Israel. When John shows up, and John starts saying, you need to repent and be baptized, the Israelites understood what that meant. That meant, you're filthy and you need to be cleaned. And this is a, a symbolic, this washing with water is symbolic of that. Alright? They understood that. Because they went through all kinds of washings all the time to maintain this state of cleanness. The problem was they weren't really clean. You see the Pharisees come here and they want John to baptize them. And he tells them, you go and bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. You let me see that you've really repented first. 
Just like the priest would have to make sure the leprosy was really gone first. Right? John says, you show me, you show me that you've really repented and, and then you can be baptized. Alright? So that it wasn't just some ritual that people went through. It was something that was really symbolic of a, of a, an inward cleansing that had taken place. Okay? That's the significance there in, in, uh, when John comes baptizing. And that's still the significance in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Let me show you one more Old Testament passage here uh, about this cleansing and, and the washing of water. Go to Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel will be one of the major prophets right after the book of Lamentations and before the book of Daniel. Toward the end of the chapter, down around verse, start around verse uh, 24. Here's a promise to the nation of Israel. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 24. He says, For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Now, what you see on the day of Pentecost is you begin to see the, the fulfillment of that. All right, where he's actually putting his spirit there within them. Um, notice there it's connected with him taking them out from among the heathen, you know, regathering them into the land, which was what we saw at the culmination of Leviticus 26 a couple of weeks ago, that he would bring them back into the land and remember that covenant. Here he talks about taking them from among the heathen. What, he, what he's doing on the day of Pentecost, and we've seen this in several cases, if you've noticed as we've gone along, that the events of the day of Pentecost are associated with end times events, but God begins to do some things early there. Right here, if you just read Ezekiel 36, it, it would sound like they have to come into the land first, and then there's the washing of water, and then there's the, the Spirit being put within them. But God begins to do those things early. He begins to do them even before they're brought there into the land. Uh, and, and notice the order here as well. There's the washing with water and then the giving of the new spirits. Right? That's the order here in Ezekiel 36. That's the order in Acts chapter 2. Um, if, if you notice here in verse 25 what the mode there is of the, the washing with water, it talks about them being sprinkled with clean water. But, but realize, I, I don't want you to get the picture from that, that it's talking about, you know, when, when you talk about baptism by sprinkling, um, it's, you know, it's just a little, little splash of water. But here when God talks about this cleansing, Sprinkling clean water upon you. And, and realize, it, you know, it's talking in a figurative sense. But when it says, Ye shall be clean from all your filthiness, from all your idols will I cleanse you. You don't get clean from your filthiness with a little, just a little splash of water. 
right? Even though it talks about sprinkling there, the idea is that they're cleansed completely. They're cleansed all over. And, and John the Baptist, I don't know how John the Baptist baptized people. Some people think that the reference there to a reed shaken with the wind means that John was dipping reeds in the water and, and sprinkling the people. Um, I think it's probably more likely that he was immersing people in the water. But either way, they were getting wet all over, you know. That, that's the idea. Uh, because for that water baptism to be a, a symbol of the spiritual cleansing that they needed, it was an all over cleansing, not just, you know, a, a, a few little spots of water on you. Okay? And, and so you see the significance of what's being preached there with John, and that's what's going on again on the day of Pentecost. Let's go back there to our, to our text. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter said unto them, read the verse again, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Now, when he says they're to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, he is not giving a ritualistic formula for the, the, you know, the pastor or the priest to repeat when they baptize somebody. That, when people argue about should it be in the name of Jesus or the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's what they're arguing about. They're arguing about what words should the, should the baptizer say when they baptize somebody. That's not what Peter's talking about here. He is talking about that, that, that this water baptism is symbolic, again, of, of this, um, this identification of them with the name of Jesus Christ. Now, even in the passage that talks about baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, it doesn't say in the names of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost as if there's three separate names. It says in the name, the, the one name. And, and the, the name is the same. Whether you call it the name of Jesus Christ or the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the, when you do something in the name of somebody else, you're doing it in, in, with authority. Right? Peter and the, and the twelve here have authority from Christ to, to baptize. And they're baptizing in that name. And these people are being baptized in that name. Now this distinguishes it from those baptisms of the Old Testament law. Uh, and the baptism of John. John was not baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ. He certainly was baptizing with authority from God the Father. But John wasn't baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ. But Peter and the twelve here on the day of Pentecost can baptize in the authority in the name of Jesus Christ. And it says, he says, Be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now, the word for can mean a lot of different things. It's a very useful word. Think about all the different ways you use the word for. It, it can mean all kinds of different things. And you have some people who read the verse, and it says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. And they read that as to mean, in order to get the remission of sins. As if water baptism is, is you know, the thing that gets you remission of sins. Not only is that not true today, that wasn't even true here as, as Peter is preaching. He's not telling them that you repent and then 
after you get baptized, you get remission of sins. Rather, you see uh, um, John in the verse we looked at in Mark 1, it says that John preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Remission means forgiveness. Okay? But let's say somebody had repented and hadn't gotten baptized yet. Are their sins not forgiven? Is that person still still lost? Uh, what it said in Mark 16 is, He that believeth not shall be damned. It doesn't say he that believeth not or he that is baptized not shall be damned. It says he that believeth not shall be damned. And just like that leper back in the Old Testament, the, the, the washing didn't remove the leprosy. The leprosy had to be gone before the leper could get the washing. And the same thing here. The, the sin had to be remitted before they could receive this baptism. Alright? Peter isn't, isn't here teaching uh, baptismal regeneration or anything like that. Uh, but the expectation is that somebody who believes will be baptized. Right? And so, when he says for the remission of sins, you know, there's other ways that word for can be used. The word for can mean because of. Right? Um, if, if you take example people use a lot of times, if you take an aspirin for a headache, you don't take the aspirin in order to get the headache, you take the aspirin because you already have the headache, right? Um, that's a legitimate use of the word for, and that's, that's the idea here, is that they're being baptized for the remission of sins on account of the remission of sins. Okay? The leper, the leper didn't get washed for his leprosy, or, or for his cleansing, I would say, in order to get the cleansing of, from the leprosy, he did it because he'd already, the leprosy was already gone, right? And, and so that's the idea here. He tells them, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And he says, ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you see that order there. That's one thing as we work our way through the book of Acts that you want to pay attention to because there's a gradual change that takes place. Here on the day of Pentecost, in, because, because it has to do with that fulfillment of that passage back there in Ezekiel. You see the order. They repent. They get baptized in water. And then they receive the Holy Ghost. Nobody here on the day of Pentecost received the Holy Ghost until after they were baptized. You see, the receiving of the Holy Ghost and the, and, you know, the remission of sins are, are different things. And nobody here on the day of Pentecost received the gift of the Holy Ghost until after they were baptized. Now, today, um, you know, we're at the, at the end of our time, but realize all of this that we're looking at, you have to keep in the context of that day of Pentecost, just like we did with those signed gifts. We're not Israel today, right? And, in fact, do you have to be baptized to be saved today? The answer is yes, but not in water. When, when you go into Paul's epistles, and again, we'll see this, this gradual progression through the book of Acts. When you get into Paul's epistles, the issue is not whether you've been baptized with water. The issue is whether you've been baptized into Jesus Christ, which is a spiritual baptism that takes place when you believe the gospel. Uh, let's, just, let's get two, two passages very quickly, and then we'll close. Get, go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 and uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
Romans chapter 6, verse 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized, not into water, doesn't say water there, as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You don't get baptized into Christ by being baptized into water. You don't get baptized into His death by being baptized into water. You get baptized into Christ by believing the Gospel. And you become identified with Him in His death, burial, and resurrection. Alright? And you see that there's no water there. Don't read water there into, into Romans chapter 6. Now, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, this is the, the only place in Paul's epistles where he mentions water baptism. And I want you to know what he says. Now remember, Paul's writing this some, some uh, 20 years, 25 years after the day of Pentecost. There's been a lot of changes take place between what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and what Paul's preaching here in 1 Corinthians. And you notice what he says in, in uh, verse verse. 13, he's talking about the divisions that had taken place among them. One of the things they were dividing over was water baptism and who had baptized who. And verse 13, he says, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? And then he says, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. And notice verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. You see there, Paul says, I'm glad I only baptized a few. I don't even remember who all I baptized. And God didn't send me to do it anyway. Notice that? Very different. Very different from the emphasis placed on baptism by John and by, by uh, Peter there on the day of Pentecost. Um, Paul says that Christ didn't send him to baptize. In fact, the word sent there is, is the verb of the word apostle. Now, Peter and the twelve were sent to baptize. Christ told them, go and, and, and uh, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Uh, they were specifically sent to baptize. Paul says, that's not a part of my commission. That's not what I was sent to do. He says, I wasn't sent to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And so you see this, this change here. Today, um, you know, how you were baptized in water, or, or if you've been baptized in water at all, isn't the issue. The issue is if you've been baptized into Christ. Have you believed what the Bible says about what the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished for you, that He died for all of your sins, was buried and rose again? Have you believed that and become identified with Him and been immersed into His death and burial and resurrection like Romans chapter 6 talks about? You can be washed with water all you want. It doesn't, doesn't change your spiritual state uh, one iota. 
but are you baptized into Christ? Let's close there with prayer. Lord God, we thank you for these things from your word. Um, we, we pray that you would continue to give us life and understanding of these things. And we see uh, you know, so much confusion uh, in the church today around some of these issues. And, and uh, we just pray that we wouldn't be confused by religion and tradition, but that we would seek clarity from your word. And uh, we, we just thank you for our time together here today. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior we pray. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.